Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the Today, I want to begin a new series called The Altar uh, Today, and I'm going to go for uh, a few weeks here, and I want to talk about the altar because I think that what I feel in my spirit and what I feel like is a place that we are at in our church is one that we need to put some emphasis on the altar. I want to see people filled uh, with the Spirit of God. I want to see their lives transformed. I want to see uh, lives being changed and, and, and souls being saved. That happens in the altar. The altar. And so we want to just kind of revisit some thoughts about the altar for the next few weeks. Put some emphasis there. And I just want to encourage you to to not hold back from going to the altar. Say, well, Pastor, I don't see anything specific that's the altar. This entire front stage is dedicated as the altar of God. We prayed over this area long before we ever walked into this building, consecrating it and dedicating it as the altar of God. On every one of these these steps, there are scriptures that speak of the altar of God. On these uh, floors here, there are scriptures written under this uh, carpet that speak of the presence and the power of God at work in the altars. And so don't hesitate. You come. This is dedicated and consecrated. This is sacred places where God meets with people and does extraordinary things. And so we want to encourage you over the next several weeks to please uh, put, uh, rekindle yourself, reacquaint, uh, rekindle the fire of God in your life, but reacquaint yourself with with the altar and encounter some things there from the Lord. I want to look for our serious text. I want to read to you from Revelations 3. And also, if you want to go ahead and turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 18, that's where I'm going to be going for our text for this morning. But in Revelations 3, 19, uh, and reading through verses 22, it says this. It says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock... If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Verse 21 says, To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Verse 22, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You are the church this morning. Amen? This text applies to you as an individual because you are the church of the living God. You are the temple of the living God. He lives in you and dwells in you. The altar is a place where we, are, we, we have confrontation. We have collision. We have conformity that takes place in the altar. Our sin and our inadequacies are confronted in the altar. Our weaknesses collide with His strength in the altar. And we are conformed to His image in the altar. It's in the altar that God moves on the lives and hearts of people. And we don't want to minimize the impact of the altar in our lives. We've got to cultivate it and develop it. The altar is a place of decision. It is a place of declaration. And it is a place of dedication. It is a place of salvation, sanctification, and sacrifice. It is a place of response. It is a place of recognition. And it is a place of renewal. 
Verse 20 goes on to say, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If nothing speaks of the altar more in Scripture than this does. He's knocking on the door of our hearts as we come into His presence and we, we are confronted with the reality of who we are. And He knocks on our door. He's begging us and beckoning us to come closer to Him. He's asking us to draw in. And as we respond to Him, He responds to us. We want to respond to Him and allow Him the opportunity to work in us. Those things happen in the altar. I picture this in my mind, this scripture of Jesus standing at the door. And many of you have probably seen the beautiful picture that someone drew uh, many years ago of this very scene. There's not a handle on the outside of the door. And Jesus is standing there knocking because the answer or the person that can, the only person that can open that door is you. The fact is, we talked uh, Wednesday night about opening doors and shutting doors and that what doors God opens no man can shut and what doors he shuts no man can open. But I put a little caveat Wednesday night and I'm going to bring it back up today and that is the only person that can shut the door to God in your life is you. You have that power. He's given you that power. And if you don't want him working in your life all you have to do is refuse to answer the door. You're the only one that God gives the power to shut the door to him. He goes on to say in verse 22, If anyone hears my voice, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. We need ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We need ears to hear what God is speaking to the church in this day and time. We desperately need a people who are connected with what God is saying and speaking in this difficult season that we're living on this earth. We need to know what God's saying. He goes on and says here, just to break this down a little bit, he says, if anyone hears and opens the doors, that speaks of response. It does us no good day in and day out, week in, week out, Sunday after Sunday, to come and hear from God and not respond to what he says. It does us no good to hear the Spirit of God's voice in our life and know beyond a shadow of a doubt what He is saying to us and yet do nothing about it. We must respond. The ball's in our court. The Spirit is speaking. Jesus is speaking. His Word is still speaking. And it's up to us to respond to what God has to say to us. And He's looking for a church that will do just that. So I want to put emphasis on the altar because I believe it is in that place that we meet Jesus Christ. It's where humanity collides with divinity and things are transformed and we are meshed together in such a way that God is able to do some great and mighty things through us. It says, I'll come into him and dine with him and he with me. In those moments is when we become partakers of the bread of life, which is Jesus Christ himself. It's in those moments that he consumes me and I consume him. And in that process, our lives are more and more intertwined so that I live in him and he lives in me. I cease to remain apart from him and his existence resides in me. That's the kind of relationship that God's looking for in his church and that's the kind of relationship that this world desperately needs for some Christians to have.
I said, that's the kind of relationship that this world desperately needs for some Christians to have. Some real, genuine encounters with Jesus Christ that is not fake, it's not watered down, it's not just an appearance of something godly, but it has the the meat with it, the teeth with it, and it has the power that goes along with it. Amen. Here's what I believe to be true, and that is this, that every spiritual process begins at the altar. Every spiritual, you ought to write that down if you don't have, if you have notes. Every spiritual process begins at the altar. It's where my, my transformation begins. It's where God begins a process with me that I will walk out through the rest of my life, hopefully. Every process, spiritual process, begins at the altar. And if you're going to, listen here, church, to me, if you're going to go to the efforts of getting up on Sunday morning, and you're going to go to the efforts of getting dressed and looking your best and getting your kids up and getting them dressed, making them look their best, if you're going to come to church and you're going to take time out of your day, and you're going to endure the the worship and endure the preaching, and you're going to sit there and go through all of that process, I would not do it and neglect the altar in the process. I'm coming to get what I came for. What is the point if we don't end it with the altar? I'm just going to tell you the truth. Everything that I do for this service is about the altar. When I'm building a message, I'm not building a message to give you more information. You don't need more information. You've got all the information that you need. You know what's right. You know what you should do. What I'm doing is trying to move you to the altar. Because it's not information we need, it's transformation we need. It's it's conforming to His image and becoming more like Him. It's releasing what God has already imparted to us so that we can accomplish His will and plan for, for this church and this community and for your personal life. It's the altar that makes those things happen. It's all about the altar. And so today we begin this series, as we begin this series, The Altar, I want to start the series with a message called Encountering the Altar. Encountering the Altar. And here's what I'm asking you to do over the next few weeks is to help me build Rebuild some broken things. Help me restore some lost practices. Help me rekindle some flames of revival in this house. Because God wants to do something great. And He's looking for the opportunity to do that. And I just believe that it begins with the altar. It begins with brokenness. It begins with a hungry heart that is seeking after God. It begins with a passionate pursuit of Him. And as we do that, God moves and touches us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your spirit. We thank you for your power. God, I pray that you would help me to communicate clearly the ideas and the principles that are found in your word this morning. And Lord, let it compel us, let it move us, let it stir us, and let it put us in the altar today, God. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. First Kings 18. I'm going to go quickly this morning, so you write fast if you're taking notes. The background of our story, Miss April started last week. Really, uh, it's really neat because aside from what I was already going to do on my own, she did this. And so she preceded my message with the, with the, the, the background that we need to understand uh, what we're talking about today. And that is this, that it has not rained in Israel for about three years. 
Uh, Elijah went to King Ahab. God commanded him to go. He goes to King Ahab and he says, it's not going to rain for three years. That's the way it's going to be. So it hasn't rained for three years. There's a severe famine now in Samaria as a result of this. Things are in dire straits here in, uh, in, in uh, Israel. And uh, now the Lord is getting ready to send rain. And he's speaking now to his prophet Elijah. And that's where we pick it up in chapter 18, verse 1. It says, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. Elijah is remaining in Zarephath with the widow who is providing for him and the word of the Lord comes to him and says, go to Ahab and tell him I'm about to send some rain. This land needs some rain. And I'm not talking about physical rain, although we need that too. I'm talking about this country needs the rain of the Holy Spirit to come again. It needs a refreshing uh, uh, rain to sweep over us. It needs a restirring and rekindling of our hearts to move back to God. And it takes the church leading the way. He says here, go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. God wants some people who will present themselves before a wicked king and say, this is what the Lord says, this is what the Lord will do. And if we will do that, God says, I will send the rain. Go to Ahab, present yourself to him and I will send the rain. God speaks to Elijah and Elijah hears. Isn't that refreshing? That alone is refreshing. That God speaks to a man and, God, and a man still hears what God has to say. God speaks to Elijah. Elijah hears what God has to say. And then he responds accordingly. His sensitivity, his awareness of God are acute. He's not struggling to find the direction of the Lord. He clearly hears and knows God's will and plan for him in this moment. God, give us some people who have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. God, give us some Elijahs who don't have to hunt down the presence of God, but can simply respond to what God is saying in the moment. That have the acute awareness and sensitivity to hear immediately when God speaks and to be willing and courageous enough to respond to what He has to say. And so my first point this morning is this. Point number one, encountering the altar empowers and equips us to remain sensitive to God's will. Encountering the altar empowers and equips us to remain sensitive to God's will. God speaks to all of us in a number of ways. He does not, he's not limited to speaking only one way. He doesn't just speak through the preacher. He doesn't just speak through his word. He doesn't just speak through church service. He doesn't just speak through worship. He speaks through a number of ways, and I'm thankful for that, that I hear him in a number of avenues in my life. And the more sensitive we are to him, the more you're going to hear him in different places. I mean, sometimes driving down the road, you can hear God clearly if you're sensitive enough to listen to what he's saying. God speaks to us in a plethora of ways. And I would not say to you that you can't hear from God except in the altar because that's just not true. And as we put emphasis on the altar, I'm not telling you that if you want to have uh, hear from the Lord, you've got to stay in the altar. But I'm telling you, the sensitivity and the awareness is cultivated through an experience at the altar. It is developed through the altar. It is developed through those moments when you are consumed in God's presence and overwhelmed by the magnitude of who he is. 
God speaks to us in a number of ways, not just the altar, but I will say this about the altar. The things God speaks to us in various avenues become a part of us in the altar. I said the things God speaks to us in various ways become a part of who we are in the altar. This is what Jesus is talking about when he says, you know, some seed fell on the ground and and then the birds came along and devoured it up and some fell by the wayside. All these different things that he uses, he's talking about seed getting imparted into you and planted into you so that it produces something in you. That happens in the great ground of the altar. And if you want what you hear and what you know and what you've heard to become a part of who you are, you've got to have some experiences with God to concrete it into your life. I'm telling you straight up that it's not enough for you just to hear what God has to say. It's not just enough for you to read your Bible. It's not enough for you to listen to the preacher. It's not enough for those things to happen in your life. You've also got to have an experience to couple along with what you know. You've got to have information and then you've got to have transformation. One without the other will not keep you. Solid with the Lord. It won't. If you have transformation and experiences with God without understanding His Word, you're going to find yourself off in all kinds of different tangents. You need the foundation of the Word established in your life. But if you have just the Word and you don't ever have an experience with God, you're going to know a lot about what you should do and you're not going to do any of it. That's good preaching this morning. Some of you ought to clap whether you agree or not because it makes you look bad when you don't. (laughs) hallelujah Uh, when you you sit there like this everybody knows you don't agree (laughs) praise God here's the facts is that I don't remember a lot of messages that I've heard throughout the years and I've heard a lot of messages I've heard good messages messages that in the moment moved my heart stirred me Made me want to do all kinds of things, but I can't recall a lot of those messages, but I remember every single experience that I've had in the altar where God shook me and messed me up. And he spoke things in my spirit in ways that no man could ever utter. He spoke things to me and put them in my heart in ways that no man could ever do. And I'm telling you, you've got to have those experiences. We need that in the altar. We need some encounters with God at the altar. It's at the altar that we are altered and changed. The reason Elijah, I believe with all my heart, was able to hear God clearly is because he maintained the altar in his personal life. He was encountering God privately so that he could have an impact publicly. He encountered God privately so he could have an impact publicly. He wasn't looking for God. God was walking with him. He wasn't trying to to tune in the frequency of his mind's eye to hear what God has to say because he's already in tune with him. He's already got it honed in. He's got the frequency exactly where it needs to be and he is listening every single moment of his life to what the Lord has to say. They're in complete communion with one another. Let's go on and read in verse 2. Don't get worried, I only have two points this morning. (laughs) So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab, and there was a severe famine in Samaria. And Ahab had called Obadiah, who was in charge of his house. 
Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For so it was while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them 50 to a cave and had fed them with bread and water. Verse 5, And Ahab had said to Obadiah, Go into all the land, to all the springs of the water, to all the brooks. Perhaps we may find grass to keep the horses and mules alive so that we will not have to kill any livestock. So they divided the land between them to explore it. Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. Here in verse 2 through 6, we are introduced to a new character in our story, and that is Obadiah. He is a liaison to King Ahab. And so we, we look at this passage, and we find something very interesting here in this passage. It says in the latter part of verse 3, Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly that when Jezebel was on her hunt to exterminate and destroy the prophets of God, it was Obadiah who found a hundred of these prophets of the Lord and he took them and he hid them in some caves so that they wouldn't be massacred. Not only did he hide them in caves, he also fed and watered them and took care of them. So we know that he had some regard for God. There's no question about that. The Bible here clearly tells us that he feared the Lord greatly. I think that we have to take the text at face value as always and accept that Obadiah feared God and that he was a true follower of Jehovah. Now that's important for you to know this morning and I want you to understand what I'm saying. He was a Christian by today's vernacular. He was serving God. Now let's go on and look at this because if that's the case, then I have some questions that that, that need asked. Because here's the deal, if he was a Christian, and we have to believe that he was because that's what the verse and text tell us, we also know this about Ahab, the guy that he was working with, that Ahab was not a follower of Jehovah by any means whatsoever. As a matter of fact, he was a pawn or a facilitator, an enabler of behavior that was very anti-God. His wife Jezebel was one of the most evil, wicked women to ever walk the face of the earth. Ahab was a wicked, wicked man who did not regard God in any way, shape, or form. And here we have this wicked, evil king and his queen destroying the altars of God, trying to completely eradicate worship of Yahweh and Jehovah out of existence and institute Baal worship. And yet we find... We have this man, Obadiah, who is working in the temple right next to Ahab. So to me, when I read that and I think about it, I have to ask the question, what is Obadiah doing working for a wicked king? What is Obadiah doing working for a a wicked king? Here's what I believe to be the facts. That he has traded devotion for comfort, that he's traded conflict for compromise, and he's traded a passionate pursuit for casual Christianity. I'm going to say it again. He has traded devotion for comfort, conflict for compromise, and passionate pursuit for casual Christianity. What's the deal with Obadiah? Bible commentary from Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown says this about Obadiah in regards to verse 3. When it talks about Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, this is what they say. 
Although he did not follow the course taken by the Levites and the majority of pious Israelites at the time of immigration into Judah, he was a secret and sincere worshiper. Listen to this part. He probably considered the violent character of the government and his power of doing some good to the persecuted people of God as a sufficient excuse for his not going to worship in Jerusalem. He considered the violent character of the government and his power of doing some good a sufficient excuse for his not going to worship in Jerusalem. They're saying here in this commentary that here's the deal. It was clearly instructed by every person that was a Jew and served Yahweh to go and worship God at Jerusalem, to visit the altar, the temple of God, and to spend time in the presence of the Lord. But here Obadiah has decided that it's not necessary for him to do that if he's doing some good in the process. He's a secret and sincere worshiper of God. Can I just say to you this morning that I myself am sick of secret and sincere worshipers of God. I am sick to hear with secret and sincere worshipers of God. Oh, the sincere part is wonderful, but the secret part stinks. The secret part is ruining what we have going for us as a church. The secret part is destroying our country from the inside out. It's the secret part that is messing everything up. I don't doubt for a moment that Obadiah did not agree with one part of what was going on in the kingdom. However, I look at it and I think you have not the courage and you have not the desire and you have not the communion with the Lord to stand in the face of an Ahab and say, No, sir, I will not do that because I am serving God. Well, Pastor, you're talking about conflict. Oh, absolutely. You're talking about devotion that leads us to giving up comforts. Absolutely. You're talking about pursuing God with such passion that casual Christianity has no more room in my life. That's exactly what I'm talking about this morning. We've got no room for that because here's the deal. Secret doesn't confront. It doesn't deal with the situation. It doesn't create opportunities for salvation. Secret allows a culture of corruption to develop around them and will not move if the cost is comfort. That's what secret does. We don't need more secret Christians. We need people who will go after God. And here's my second point. Encountering the altar doesn't allow me to get comfortable with a culture of sin. Encountering the altar doesn't allow me to get comfortable with a culture of sin. I am a secret and sincere worshiper of God. Well, shame on you. Because your Jesus did not die for you in secret. I'm going to get down here where I can preach to you for a second. Jesus did not die for you in secret. He did not shed his blood at Calvary's cross in secret. He did not walk the long road of Golgotha in secret. He did not stand for what was right in secret. 
He stood boldly and proclaimed it to the religious. He stood boldly and proclaimed it before the broken. He stood boldly and proclaimed it before anyone who would listen. And he raised up disciples in the process. And he did not do any of it in secret. And if he called us to be like him, then I have to believe that we cannot also do it in secret. We must stand boldly and do it publicly. And I'm telling you today that if you don't have the altar and the experiences in the altar in your life, you're not going to have the strength and the stamina and the courage and the things you need to stand up and stand for God in public. You'll cow down and you'll quit every chance you get. Your co-workers will talk and run God down and you'll stand there quietly and let them do it. If you don't have the altar and the experience of God in your life, Because what I'm talking about today is is about an experience. Listen, church, a man with an argument can never, can never defeat a man with an experience in in a conversation. A man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. I don't care what you say about my God because I know I have experienced Him. And what I have experienced is real and you can convince me not otherwise. Hobadiah is one of these Christians that is comfortable living in a culture of sin. And I'm just begging you as the people that God has entrusted me with that you will not become an Obadiah in the process but rather an Elijah that you will stay tuned in with God, that you will seek after Him, and you will stay acutely aware of His voice in your life and His will in your life, and you will not uh, trade passionate pursuit for casual Christianity. It's going to be real for me. It's going to be genuine for me. It's going to be powerful for me. And I'm not willing to give anything of, of that nature up so that I can be comfortable I can be content and I can just walk through this thing in a status quo kind of way. Hobadiah is a Christian comfortable living in a culture of sin and Elijah is a Christian determined to change that very same culture. I'm calling all world changers today to stand up and speak for God. To drop the secret off of your sincere relationship with God and to add to that boldness, declaration, courage to stand in the face of whatever this world is trying to create in our children and say, not anymore. The difference between the two is the altar. Obadiah wasn't going to the altar anymore. He didn't think he needed it in his life. And what he didn't understand is it's at the altar that his life was transformed and the boldness he needed to confront that wicked king was given to him in those moments. Elijah maintained that altar in his life on a daily basis. And because he did, it wasn't any issue. It wasn't any problem. Ahab doesn't like him. We're going to get into that next week. I can't wait because it's so good. We're going to finish this up next week, but I just... I'm just challenging you, don't be an Obadiah. Be an Elijah this morning. As Jennifer comes to the keyboard, are you willing to encounter the altar? Are you willing to be transformed through an experience at the altar? 
As she's coming, let me just say this to all of you today, all the leaders in this place today, if you are a leader in this church, and if you are not experiencing, I'm gonna please listen to me. If you are a leader in this church, and you are leading ministry in this church, and you are not experiencing God in the altars, I don't want you as a leader. And I'm not trying to be ugly, but I'm just saying this. If you don't have an experience with God on the altars, you can't have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. And if you don't hear what God's saying, I don't want you deciding the direction that we're going. That's fair, amen? Okay. For all the workers in this place, if you're serving people in this church at some capacity, you need encounters at the altar so you have something to offer the people you're serving. They don't need your yesterday's experience. They don't need your experience from 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. They need something fresh in their life. They need you to have something to offer them that's real and genuine. All of you in this place, everyone else, experiences at the altar is what causes growth in you. It's what transforms you into the likeness of Jesus Christ. So I'm just asking you and I'm begging you as your pastor to please, when the altar call is given and when it aligns with where you are in your journey, if you have sickness in your body, the altar's where Jesus wants to work in you. Step up, step out. Take an act of faith and have an encounter with God. Don't think that it's nothing and it doesn't matter in your life like Obadiah did. He's weak because he has no altar experience. If you're struggling in your marriage and you're having other issues, come to the altar. Come to the altar. Let God change you in the altar. It's that step of faith. It's that response to Him so that He can respond to us. He's standing at the door and he's knocking. And he's desiring to transform you and make you different. He's desiring to change your situation and he's begging you, if you'll just open the door, I'll come in there. We'll sit down and we'll eat together. And I'll fill the voids in your life. The broken places in your life. The holes that you've had shot through by the enemy. I'll patch them up and I'll fix them. I'm knocking. Will you open the door? Will you open the door? Stand with me across this place. Here's what I'm going to say. If you're hungry for God and you want an encounter with God, I want you to come to the altar. So it's open. Would you come? Would you come? If you need salvation in your life and you need Jesus to, to come and be a part of who you are, then I want you to come and we'll pray with you today. We'll pray with you today and we'll ask God to change your life. You come find me as soon as I in this altar call, and I will lead you to Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Throughout the next few weeks, here's the deal. I'm not going to dismiss service, so you're free to go as you feel led to go. Because we're going to spend some time in the altar, and I'm not going to stop that so that I can dismiss service. Is that okay? Okay. This is about you and God. It's not about me facilitating anything uh, right now. This is about you just pursuing Him. And so you do that in your own way. Hallelujah. Let's go after the Lord this morning. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We would love for you to join us at the river 
on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you would like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street in Burt Burnett, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river. Come to the river.